0: The text for our sermon this morning is the parable that Jesus speaks in our gospel reading about the master's wedding feast inv- inviting everyone also keeping in mind of course the other two readings which generally always focus on the topic of the day and today we see from this parable we see that the mercy of God in Christ Jesus is beyond measure beyond compare The closest thing that we can see or compare to it in this life is a wedding reception that goes off without any problems. A wedding reception where the king, the master of the feast, has done everything that can be imagined. But the guests, the the invitees, they refuse. But we can see the mercy of God in this from how Jesus how Jesus starts to end the parable. Look what he says in verse 10. Those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. God's grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Last weekend, the Ludwinski family, who ironically enough, are at another wedding out of town this weekend. But many of you know, last weekend, the Ludwinskys celebrated the marriage of their son Ben to Emma Greathouse. Ben, of course, is a son of this congregation. And we rejoice with them. Some of y'all even went to the wedding, went to the reception. We, of course, weren't able to attend, but I do recall the invitations were beautiful. We We give thanks to God that the blessing of God's word was upon this holy union, and that made it even more beautiful. We we rejoice with Chris and Rick. Thanks be to God. We also heard recently that Grant Tiff, another son of this congregation, has also recently become engaged. We pray the same blessings for Grant and his soon-to-be bride. Congrats to Bruce and Carrie as well. One of the most difficult things about planning a wedding is, of course, the reception. Who do we invite? Well, you know, you can't invite everyone. You've got to make choices, you know. Plus, also remember remember that one family, they didn't invite us to their wedding, so they're off the list. Or... We can't invite that family. I don't like her sister. She wore the same dress as I did to the last wedding. But in our parable, the king is wealthy and gracious enough that he invites everyone. His desire is to invite all people. We hear Jesus say toward the conclusion of the parable, even as the first guests were invited, Jesus said, go out, invite the good and the bad. Because this reception, my friends, has no limit. There is no budget. There's no shortage of food, no shortage of drink, no shortage of Space, nor is there a shortage of joy. But many who have received the invitation, maybe perhaps they rejected that invitation because they thought it was too good to be true. Or even as we say, Jesus points out, they thought they had better things to do, something more important. Because you see, no one is this gracious. They're suspicious of this king. They don't trust that the king is truly good. Perhaps they think the invitation is a lie. You can't trust the character of this king. It seems too good to be true. No one's that generous. There must be something, some catch. You know, nowadays it's become kind of the style that if you invite people and they return an RSVP and don't show up, you charge them for the meal. No one is that generous. I really wish I could say that were the main reason for these people refusing the king's invitation. I wish you... was as easy as people just thought they were getting scammed as to why they didn't receive the invitation. It's just too good to be true, but it's not. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus points out the reason so many of them refused. One had a farm, the other had business. The people didn't refuse it because it was too good to be true, but because they thought they could find a better offer. Isn't that so often why we don't accept party invitations? There's something we'd rather do. Or we don't really like the person hosting. Maybe they don't hang around with the right people at school. Maybe they're embarrassing. They don't wear the right clothes. So who are the groups in this parable? What is Jesus trying to teach? Remember his audience. Remember this is coming toward the end Of Jesus' life toward his week of his Passion Week. Jesus is first calling out the very people that God called to be his own Israel. God chose them. God rescued them from Egypt. He took care of them, courting them for 40 years in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 29, God said, I led you for 40 years in the wilderness. You never had a shortage of anything. God's point was that he provided them both spiritually and physically. God courted Israel. He showed that he was worthy to be trusted, showed that he was a good husband, a good spouse who would never leave his wife. God provided then And when the time came for the consummation of this marriage, when he sent his son after invitation, after invitation to his people, they said, no thanks. When they saw John the Baptist, they heard his preaching. They heard his invitation. They saw his clothing and they said, no thanks. We would like to dress ourselves, not in the rough repentance of camel's hair, but we would rather be clothed in the comforts of this world and this life. We would rather dress ourselves in our pride and acceptance in the high places rather than to dress ourselves in repentance and the forgiveness of sins. They said, no, thank you. They were more focused on their way of life. One to his farm, the other to his business. But that's not the worst of it. The parable continues. There were also some of those who were so brazen as to kill the servants of the king. You know the stories of the prophets. You know what happened to John the Baptist. And all the prophets and John did, all they did was invite the people to come. And that's the part of the parable that doesn't make sense. That's the part that has people scratching, even us scratching our heads. That's the part that's not too good to be true, but too ridiculous. And yet this is precisely what happens and precisely why Jesus is calling these people to repent. He's telling the story over and over again that God invited them to live by faith in his good character, in his good reception. But they wanted to live under the law, right? They wanted to show that they were good enough by their good deeds so they could wear them as a badge of honor, that that was their clothing. They didn't need God. They didn't need a savior. This is sin at its worst. The rejection of, of God, the silencing of his word. Plugging your ears with false teaching, and even even today the temptation is the same. Thinking that perhaps all those who teach the Bible are equal, or thinking that bigger is always better. Jesus warns us there are always wolves in sheep's clothing, and sheep will follow them but we must examine what we are taught. We must be aware of what enters our ears. We must be aware of the invitation that is coming. Because the devil sends temptations, the devil sends invitation. There are many wolves in sheep clothing, but while even we as God's people might be tempted to think that there's business or a farm to be tempted to be tended to things that we're going to be tempted to think are more important than church there is not sure we will get called away for job for a duty of some sort but remembering that God's word and the fact that we have his reception taking place even now yet not yet as we wait for the full consummation of Christ's return, he still invites you to come. There was no discrimination in the invitation and there's no discrimination now. Go find the good and the bad. The master can do this because, as I mentioned, there is no shortage. This is the part that we might consider to be too good to be true. Everyone's invited. No one can afford that. That's too good to be true. But that's only because we know human nature too well. No one is that generous. You might say we know that even in ourselves, we're not that generous. We look at shortages and we worry. We look at the lack of something and we doubt. We think that this life is all that there is. No one is that generous. But Jesus said this parable is about the kingdom of God. Not a stingy father of the bride nor vindictive mother of the groom. He is the king of heaven and he's gracious. He is merciful. He has shown his mercy to his people time and time again. And they turned away and yet he still calls them. He certainly would be justified in ending it all, for we've all rejected him. There is no one who is good. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But that doesn't stop him from showing mercy. That doesn't stop him from continually calling you and me to cast off clothes, clothing of wickedness and strife, to turn away from the invitation of temptation, And to find and rejoice in the mercy of God's forgiveness. God is able to extend this invitation to all people because He's the one who's done all the work. This is better than a last minute wedding invitation that has mistakes in it. The call and invitation of God is clear for you. Take heart. My son, Jesus Christ, has died for the sins of the world. He turns every beggar into a guest at his table. Every tattered and stained life in repentance and confession, all of that sin is left at the door of the hall. He turns every beggar into a guest who has gifts beyond compare. Leave your tattered and stained lives at the door. The righteousness of Jesus is yours. That means you don't have to worry. You don't have to look around and see lack and wonder if God is really generous enough to do what he says. He is, my friends. Be clothed in the good news of the forgiveness of sins. Remember the invitation that God is present. It's worth getting dressed up for, staying up late. All the things we love about a good reception. Everything prepared provided Christ has clothed himself in your sin. Died in your place and clothes you now in his righteousness. But as the reception continues, we notice something. In this parable, the character of the king doesn't change, but neither does the character of man. At the end of the parable, we see that the king is amongst his people during the reception. He doesn't leave his people. He's present with his guests. He doesn't abandon them. Why would he? He's the reason for the celebration. He's never left his people. He's always been watching over them, providing for them, protecting them. And he knows one man who's not dressed appropriately. In in these days, it was traditional that even the host would provide wedding garments for the celebration. No one had an excuse to not be there. Clothing, again in the scriptures, is also a picture of salvation, a picture of our sin being covered, Adam and Eve trying to cover their nakedness with leaves. God gives them a garment from animal skin. Joseph is given a coat of many colors by his father. The prodigal son is clothed when he returns to the father, the man without the wedding garment. He would be a hypocrite. He doesn't want the gifts of God's forgiveness. He wants to stand in the presence of God on his own merit. Jesus is warning us not to be hypocrites. You can be in the right place, but not have faith. You can put on a show that you believe, but you really don't want God's provision and mercy. You can be in church, but only because that's what you've always done. You can have no clothing. You can be dressed in the most success of your life and be wealthy beyond measure, yet have no wedding garment. You can be at every Christian concert, every church event. You can preach thousands of sermons. You can donate time and money and yet have no clothes. You can build churches, construct homes, but the only reason you gather with God's people is because you like to gossip. This parable is a parable, of course, about God's riches, but also about justice, also about his judgment because in that judgment he casts away from us his people all worry all doubt he keeps all wickedness away from us so let us rejoice in the clothing that he's given to us by the death of his son and to know that he continually clothes you that is why we are here the man who showed up at the wedding feast without a garment He has no defense. He is silent. He has seen the goodness of the king. He has witnessed the truth and the wealth of the king. It's all true, but he refused the gifts. He has nothing to say. He's not surprised. The king has done everything. He's given everything needful, The man cannot blame the king, otherwise, he'd look like a fool if he opened his mouth and attempted to say, Well, king, it's your fault. You didn't do enough. Jesus tells this parable to call us, we who at times have been more concerned with our business or farms, our jobs, our hobbies. We who have neglected his word and been dazzled by the clothing clothing of this world, today's parable is a call to repent and to believe in the mercy of your king. Perhaps St. Paul was thinking of this parable in Galatians 3 when he wrote, As many as you who've been baptized into Christ have been clothed in Christ. Do not forget that your baptism has brought you into the party. And yet, maybe you hear this parable, and you worry that your garment is not the right one. Perhaps, as Jesus ends the parable, many are called, but few are chosen. Maybe you doubt, maybe you think you were called, but not chosen. No, there is no distinction. No, the many are called means that when Christ Jesus was crucified, he drew all men to himself that God's mercy is for all people. The chosen is meant to be an absolute comfort, for this is the kingdom of God, that those who are in the kingdom gladly receive the garment of Christ's righteousness by faith. They are not speechless, but confess Christ and what he's done for us in baptism. Many are called, means Jesus died for the sins of the world, Few are chosen is meant to remind you that you being in the wedding feast, you being clothed in righteousness, it is the work of God. It is to comfort you so that at the wedding reception, you look down and see the mercy of your God, not the despair of your sin. But many refuse that work. There is no surprise on the last day when God returns. Romans 13 assures you, be clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no bait and switch. The man wasn't surprised at his punishment. It is evil to reject God's mercy in Jesus. The most loving thing he can do for his guests is to remove all evil from them. So don't be tempted to change that garment. Wear it. Trust the gifts given to you by God. It's better than a reception with an open bar. It's better than a week-long celebration that has a and band and a great playlist. Jesus is the Prince of the Kingdom of God, and you are His guests. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.